0: How's everybody doing this morning? Great, it was great to see you all. If you are joining us online this morning, at the end of the service day, we're going to be receiving communion together as a church family, just in case you want to get some elements ready there in your home. And we're going to be doing the same here, obviously, in the room. Well, we are kicking off, as mentioned there, our legacy series. And we we started doing this tradition a a few years ago, just... um, I just really feel like God dropped this on my heart for us to do this at least once a year to remind ourselves of the legacy that we have in the body of Christ in the church and understand the legacy given to us from the scripture, but then also the legacy that we have here specifically in Mississauga and what's gone before us so that we can uh, be thinking about what's coming ahead. And the other thing we're doing in our legacy series is we're receiving a legacy offering and I'll explain a little bit more about that in the message. All right, are you thankful for your roots in Christianity, if you have some. And if you don't have some, thank God you get to create some. And, uh, you know, when we think about us as a church, uh, the, the church historically has been filled with people who need a savior, right? And if we look back at the church, you know, there's some, there's some great things that have happened at the church and in the church there's been some not so good things that have happened in church. Could we, could we all say amen to that? That has been true and not true. And this has been my uh, experience in church. Again, I'm a lifer. I'm 53 years old. I've been in church 53 years, nine months. And so, uh, you know, just being a part of church, all of my friends that, I, that have been close to me, the vast majority of them are, are from church and, and growing up in church, thank God for church. But I also have some stories that you don't really want to repeat in church, does anybody else know what I'm talking about with those? And so we have those. And, and again, um, a lot of those negative things that happen to us can derail us in the context of church. But as we think about legacy, what we want to do is we want to go back to the scripture and, and what, is, what are essential things in the scripture so that we can live those things out. Um, because we want to be expectant for the future that God has designed. Can I get an amen this morning? And, and really that's gonna come from the legacy that we create. See, our, our present right now is becoming a past as we speak. And we want to create a good past so that someone in the future can have a good legacy that, from us and then they can also create a good legacy. So when we think about these ideas, it really it's a question of responsibility. And will I embrace it? Will I embrace the legacy that's given to us from the scripture then here at the city church in Mississauga, will I embrace this responsibility? And then someone's been like, "Ah, I don't need any more responsibilities. I don't wanna worry about my legacy, but the reality is everybody is creating a legacy, whether you're intentional about it or not. And we in the church as followers of Jesus, we should be interested in the legacy that we are creating. Because we, again, we can trace our roots as the city church, just like any other Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, uh, gospel-preaching church, right back to the church in the book of Acts. As the, Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church and the church was created, the reason that there's this church and other churches in our city and other churches in our province and nation around the world is because of that church, And so there has been a legacy given to us, and then simultaneously, we are creating a legacy. Now, if you think about Adam and Eve, right back to the very first family that we see described in the scripture, we know that there was uh, a difficulty between Cain and Abel, the very first church fight, (laughs) between two brothers, and then what ended up happening is Cain killed Abel, and then... And then Adam and Eve had another son, Seth. And if you follow along their genealogy, many generations later, there's still murderers in Cain's lineage. But if you look at Seth's lineage, it takes us all the way down to Enoch, who famously walked with God. And this is what we would see over and over again in the scripture, that people would follow after God and, and people who created that legacy, created a legacy for the children and their children's children, and there was people who would not serve God. And they would follow after idols. And then you see the children of Israel fall into bondage or captivity, different things like that. And if you go through the book of Judges, over and over again in the book of Judges, which is, you know, kind of a bad history moment in Israel, that there would be this phrase that we would see repeated a few times, there grew up a generation that didn't know God. And I I remember reading that phrase in Bible school and just thinking about my own family and my own experience and just, you know, have a great heritage of Christians on on both sides of my parents' family. But if you look at our family as it stands now, extended family, some of them serve God and some of them don't. And then, you know, all of it is not necessarily the blame of the parents. Like my, my, my dad says, not all children wear the crown that you give them. But what we can decide is what type of legacy that we are creating because God wants to be the God of generations, not a generation. Now, as I, again, as I look back and think about my family, I've, I've told the story maybe once or twice in this series as we've done it. But um, my mom's parents are, are Finnish immigrants to Canada. And my grandfather, I think he was born in the early 1900s, And he, every young man in Finland in that time had to go and do two years of military service. And so he got out of the military service there in Finland. And one of his friends, about about two weeks after that, one of his friends said, hey, I'm going to Canada. Do you want to come? And he said, okay. That was the extent of his decision making at that time. And he got on a boat and he came to Canada and he never went back to Finland, He started in the eastern part of Canada, became a lumberjack. He eventually moved to Toronto. And then he got saved in the Finnish uh, Finnish Baptist Church in Toronto. And then he met my grandmother, who this was in the 20s now, the roaring 20s. My grandmother was a flapper, if you've ever seen pictures of flappers. And uh, her name was Tuna. Now, it's not spelt like tuna the fish, it's T-Y-N-N-E, and ultimately with, with the best Finnish accent I have, it's duna, tuna. So it almost sounds like a D, but it's, I butchered that, sort of. But it sort of sounds like that. And my grandfather's name was Toivo. So tuna and Toivo, Ojela, they met in church, and so both of them got saved, and they ended up having six children. They were very poor. Uh, uh, my grandmother, when she, having these children, sometimes she would walk to the hospital to give birth. Yeah, wow, that's was right. <laughs> and then on my on my dad's side, there was, you know, the cultures, they go back in uh, sort of the, the Ottawa Valley area. And I, I don't know if it was my great-grandfather or my great-great-great-grandfather, but he helped build a church in the Ottawa Valley in Westmeath-Cobden area. These are real places. You can look them up on Google Maps later. And then because of their decisions that my parents grew up in church and then eventually met and went to Bible school, and then my sister and I, both followers of Jesus at this time, and, uh, you know, in the ministry, but thank God for the legacy that I have. Are you thankful for your spiritual heritage if you have it? Amen. Now, if you don't have a spiritual heritage, again, you get to create one. You get to be a tuna and toiva ojela for generations to come. And so this is the responsibility that we all need to embrace. And the Apostle Paul, as he's writing to Timothy, talks about this idea in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse one. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of that that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God, God the Father, and Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers. So Paul refers to his ancestors that serve God. And then he says in verse four, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of the sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. So Paul refers to his ancestors who served God. And then here for Timothy, his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. And now this same faith is in Timothy, a legacy. We know from the scripture, a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this is God's intention for the church, for us corporately, and then also for us individually to realize that we are Creating a legacy. Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 says this. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. The faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him. And keeps his commandments to a thousand generations. Now that doesn't mean at the thousand and one generation it doesn't matter. The point is it's an eternal promise. It's an eternal covenant. And God always keeps his covenant. It's the people side that's the problem. God is always keeping his covenant, and his intention is to a thousand generations or to eternity, really, that here, this church, you know, which is uh, almost 40 years old here in a couple years, in in, uh, 2026, this church will be 40 years old, but our desire as a part of the church's story right here now in the season is that we would want this church to last for a thousand generations, right? Right? Are you here this morning? For our children, and then our children's children, and then our children's children's children, people who aren't even born yet, and we can have a great effect on their lives based on the choices and decisions we are making today, and again, somebody will say, I just don't, there's too much responsibility, Pastor Brent, but you have the responsibility already, you can't shirk it now, you can't walk away from it. Again, you are creating a legacy, whether you want to think about it or not. And what we want to do is we want to go back and see what's given to us, what's been handed down to us, what's been so important from, for the church, from the birth of the church, to where we are now. Now, obviously, the first uh, church, the book of Acts, did not look like this. And the looking like this is not that important because there's a lot of churches that don't look like this and they're doing a lot of good things and we don't look like them. And praise God, though, they're lifting up the name of Jesus and preaching gospel. But there are some core things that we need to remember that actually create a really good legacy for future generations. Some markers of faithfulness and generosity and perseverance and trust in God and love and truth. All of these things will take any church through generations, and has birthed the church, the 21st century, still realizing all of these things are important, that they're broadly true, and they are locally true, but they need to be true in us, they need to be true for me as an individual, and then part of the family of God. Now, one of the other things that we do with the Legacy Series, I mentioned the Legacy Offering that we receive, and we've done this a few years now. And our intention with the legacy offering is to do a couple different things. That, uh, and I mentioned back in February on Vision Sunday about how, and if you weren't here, I'll just remind you, we have a tenant here behind this wall. And um, they came to us last year, and they had a few of their people continuing to work from home, so they needed less office space. And they said, would you like to take some of this space back? And I said, yes, we need the space. And so they offered uh, about 1,000 square feet to us, again, right behind this wall here in the corner of this room. And so uh, we, we have a chance to expand into that space and this is gonna be a multi-purpose room um, for us. And so we want to use our legacy offering this year to go towards those renovations. But before I jump into that and what, what, what the costs are gonna be, I just wanna let you know some of the things that we've accomplished in the last couple of years with our legacy offering, with your generosity. Now, it enables us, um, you know, as a church, our, our mission statement, moving people closer to Jesus. But again, we don't want to be a church that's just here locally and cares about just us. We actually want to care about the body of Christ and help the body of Christ and to help other churches um, because we can be involved in discipleship with addition here at the City Church. But when we help other churches, discipleship can be multiplied when we partner with other pastors and churches. Can I get an amen? And so we have invested now I think I lost count, I have an accurate count, and I, I know we've invested in at least eight other churches over the last couple of years. And a bunch of those churches were in building programs, some of those churches were buying new buildings in different cities, and we've given to churches in Waterloo, and a couple of different churches in Toronto, and one over in Hamilton, and one in British Columbia, and basically in this region, but us partnering with those churches financially so they can reach their cities. And so that's because of your generosity That there is churches, new churches, that are now in buildings because of your giving. Think about that. That in eternity, I believe, people will walk up to us and say, thank you for giving into the legacy offering at the city church. You have never met me before. But because you helped buy that building, I was able to hear about Jesus. And so our generosity can go out and accomplish amazing things. We've given to CCLN, which is an organization that helps train up pastors, Art Canada, which helps plant and launch new churches. And we've been involved in planting uh, at least four new churches in the last couple of years, plus the churches we we gave to that were already in building programs. Um, And so those are uh, some of the things that we've been able to compass through the legacy offering. Now, some physical things that we've done here in the building, we, we updated our bathrooms upstairs. Have you been in our bathrooms upstairs? Aren't they beautiful? And that's because of your generosity. Our new deck, our, our deck was falling apart last year. And so we put a new deck on there and all of this happened because of legacy giving. So this year with our legacy offering, uh, we have a quote um, to be able to, to renovate this area of $70,000. And really we have to build two really high walls because we have to separate ourselves for fire purposes and regulations and all these different things from our tenants. So the wall actually has to go all the way to the deck. Then we'll have some new lighting in there and some new flooring. And really um, this this room is gonna be able to be used for a lot of different things. This room will enable our media room to be expanded and then this room will serve our city team. Can I get a shout out for the city team? And so one of the things that we've struggled with with our teams, you know, sometimes they, they've got stuff and they've got purses and they've got coats. And sometimes it's a struggle to find spaces to do that. So this room will serve our city team to for them to keep their stuff safely um, on a Sunday as they are serving. It will serve as some extra storage. It will be a potential room that we could host kids' events, classes, uh, new believers' classes, student events, events for other pastors. And when we think about investing into a physical space, we're not just investing into walls and drywall and lights and flooring. We are investing into a room that's gonna have an eternal impact here the city church, and then for other the, other pastors that are going to come in and get blessed through this room, as so though it's going to have a great impact. So again, seventy thousand dollars. You say this, and it sounds like, oh my gosh, seventy thousand dollars. Hey, seventy thousand dollars is not a lot for all of us. How do we get to seventy thousand dollars? Real simple. Uh, one person or family could give seventy thousand dollars, <laughs> or <laughs> or. 70 families or individuals could give $1,000, or if I can keep doing the math for you here, 140 individuals or families could give $500, and we could get to $70,000 real easy. Now, again, just like any offering we receive here at the city church, don't feel any pressure, all right? This is, this is over and above your normal giving. So if you're you know, maxed out and you're giving with your tithes and offerings, you don't have to feel pressure to give into this. But again, if, this is your, if you're visiting this morning, this doesn't apply to you. But if this is your church home, I would say that you make this a matter of prayer, all right? And simple practical ways for us to be able to give, we actually have some legacy offering envelopes back there at the giving kiosk. Why don't you grab one on the way out and then just hold it in your hand and make it a matter of prayer. Now, especially if this is your church and you get the amount zero, you need to go back and pray some more, all right? (laughs) (laughs) Because we're gonna do this together, all right? My family, and my wife and I, were gonna give into this offering just like you guys are gonna give into the offering. And somebody might say, well, Pastor Brian, what if we go over 70,000? Listen, there's lots of things to do here in our building to fix. You know, we've been in this building 12 years, but this building is over 30 years old now and there's always repairs and things that we need to do. And then also, if we go over, it's an easy thing for us to do to be generous with other churches. If you are giving online like you do, um, there's a spot where it says tithes and offerings. If you're going to give online and you click that spot, it'll say Legacy 2023. You can give electronically that way. All right. So everybody, uh, you're going to commit to make this a matter of prayer. Amen? Amen? All right. So we can do this easily together. So hopefully we'll be able to get started on those renovations sometime this fall and get that done. All right. So as we jump back into the scripture this morning, now we are a part of this great lineage of faith, tracing all the way back to the book of Acts as followers of Jesus. Now in the book of Ephesians, Paul traces this back for this church. So let's read about it here in Ephesians chapter two, verse 18. And it says this, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the father. So you are no longer strangers and aliens. Now aliens doesn't refer to outer space. It just means non-Jewish people but you are all our fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So this is what brings us together. Jesus brings us all together. Even if we are born in different places, we don't look the same, we don't speak the same language, that we are part of the household of God because of Jesus. Now listen, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So what is the foundation of the church? The foundation of the church is Jesus. Now, again, the foundation, the apostles and prophets, but the apostles and prophets, the apostles and prophets are the 12 disciples and the apostles, what are they on the foundation of jesus jesus is the foundation of the church can i get an amen? amen thank god for these apostles and prophets but even the ones that were disciples were just men they were just in, they were just fallible human beings they weren't superheroes and so the reason the apostles and prophets are mentioned here is because as a foundation they were watching jesus in his ministry and this is what we have The gospel's written by eyewitnesses and uh, somebody pulling information together from eyewitnesses to write what Jesus did. But the foundation, the cornerstone is Jesus. Our faith is in Jesus. Can I get an amen? Now, people are like, yeah, yeah, we know Pastor Bent, But you know, it's really important that we always come back to Jesus, that Jesus is the answer. Remember this old song, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Does anyone remember that song? Jesus is always the answer. Jesus is underneath everything as it relates to church. It's not worship style. It's not the design of this building. It's not all of these other ancillary things that get added on, which are important. But the foundation of our faith, the foundation of the church is Jesus. Again, this is why our mission statement is moving people closer to Jesus. Somebody who doesn't have a relationship with God, they need to get to Jesus. And those of us that have gotten to Jesus, we need to be discipled by Jesus because he is the cornerstone. The centrality of our faith is Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. He's the one that helps us by his spirit. The cornerstone is Jesus. And again, it's easy to get lost in all of the other things as it relates to church and all of the imperfections of the other humans who go to church, but my faith is not in the other humans that go to church. I love you all, but my faith is not in you and your faith should not be in me that ultimately our trust is in Jesus. And any good pastor, which hopefully I'm reasonable, points you to Jesus. I want you to have a relationship with Jesus. It makes an eternal difference for you and then your children's children. Jesus will make the difference, the cornerstone of our faith. And we're doing something together, I love this whole thing. It's like, man, our foundation is on Jesus. And the whole structure is being joined together, growing into a temple. Now, we individually are a temple of the Holy Spirit, but together, corporately, as a group, he's building us into a temple, so we are a temple as individuals, but then we are a temple as a we, as an us, as a family, this visible family of God. And again, everybody, as a follower of Jesus, is called, to be part of the family of God, a local family of God, which a church is. And again, I know it's popular now, but it's not good and it's not right for Christians out there being like, "Ah, I love Jesus, but I don't go to church. It's not a good thing. We're called to do it. He's building us up together. Everybody say Together. Now is together easier or harder than alone? It's harder together is harder, but it is the call. We could go up to the top of the mountain be like, Jesus, just me and you. Do you know what he would say to us? Come down off of the mountain and get with your brothers and sisters, but it's hard. I know. I called you to it. Amen. He's building something. He's building his church into this dwelling place for God, Jesus, as the cornerstone So we're called into this life together, this life of love. Now, I'm going to read some words of Jesus and and what he's called us to. And, you know, people are always coming to Jesus and asking asking him questions. And here we read about one of them in Matthew 24, Matthew 24, verse 34. And it says this, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, (laughs) one of them an expert in the law. This is funny now, looking back at it, like these theological experts thought they were gonna stump Jesus, the son of God. Anyway, it's kind of funny looking back, but they're tested him. They thought they were gonna test him and stump him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? They thought they were gonna catch him in his words. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, With all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Listen, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So everything written about in the Old Testament, in all of the the narrative and all of the stories, Jesus is extracting for us what that was written about. And what is it? The first and greatest commandment is love God with all your heart, your soul, with all your mind. This is the first, and this is the greatest commandment. This is key. This is core to the church. This is core for us as individuals, and this is core for us together. The greatest commandment is for us to love God, and it's not because God is a narcissist, and it needs everybody to tell him how great he is. But when we properly order our love to God, everything else falls into place. But if we get our love out of order, in other words, we put anything in that spot, and it would be referred to in the Old Testament as idolatry. If we get any created thing in that spot, it's a problem for mankind. And we can look at it today. We can look out in our culture today and see the mess when anything gets in that spot except God. God. Because what's happening in our culture and around the world is things are being raised to the level of God. What's the highest thing in your life? And people will give a a thousand different answers. Do you know what I'm talking about? But here, what's the greatest commandment? Is that we love God totally. With our mind, our soul, our strength, all of who we are. Properly ordered love in our lives goes to God we need to love him first and we need to love him most. If we don't love him first, there's other stuff that's gonna get in there. Love of self, love of desires, love of money, love of things, ungodly ideas, politics, people can come to that spot. But Jesus was telling us the whole story of the Old Testament is that properly ordered love means you love God first. Jesus, at the foundation of our lives as followers of Jesus, center and core. And he says, you know what we need to do with our lives? Make sure that you love God first and the most, and all of your energy goes to him. Now, when we think of this phrase, some people think, like, okay, Pastor Ren, if I do that, though, won't I become sort of weird religious zealot if I do that? No, again, if we order our love towards God, putting Him first, in other words, we're going to listen to what He says if we love Him the most. He will transform us into the best friends that we could be for our friends, He will transform us into the best husband I can be. He will transform me when my love is properly ordered to him. He will transform me into the best parent I could be, the best worker I could be. The scripture says that we should work as unto the Lord. So the center of who we are is always towards the Lord. And this settles everything else in my life. Love God first and the most and all of who you are. And then he is transforming us. And when we think about loving God, it's not just having sweet feelings for him. God, I love you lots, see you next Sunday. (laughs) That's not what it is. When it's all of who we are, our our mind, our soul, our strength, that's just not sweet feelings. What does it look like for us to love God? One of the things before we finish today, one of the things is obedience. Now, let me ask all the parents in the room today, parents, do you like when your children obey you? Is it necessary? (laughs) I saw, I was driving down one of the streets in our neighborhood and kids were playing ball and the ball was going in the street. What, what does any good parent do when they see their child running into the street after the ball? She screamed. Now, why did she scream? Was she mad? She wanted her child to obey her. Why? Because that child was headed for danger. Yeah, but Pastor Brent, I'm 50. I don't need a parent. If we want our children to obey, how much more... Does God want us to obey him? So for us to love God, a big part of it is just obedience. Does everybody like the word obedience? Eh, nah, it's not that excited. Here we go. Romans 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commands. It's not just sweet feelings. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Now, I love this. For us to walk in obedience to the Word of God, He is there with us, leading us and guiding us by His Spirit. In this place of obedience. And what is a place of obedience? It's a place of love. I'm loving God, not just by telling Him I love Him, I'm loving him by giving my life to him through obedience. And again, it doesn't turn me into some religious zealot, odd, can't function in society. No, I'm obeying his word by doing the things that he says. And it actually helps me to be the best person I could be in my family and on the job, in the neighborhood, in the nation, by obeying his word. And when I obey his word, I'm loving him. And then he's right there with me. See, one of the biggest questions for our lives is, I, I, what is the will of God for me? I don't know what the will of God for me. And a lot of times we're thinking about, you know, who I should marry, what school, school I should go to, what job I should take. And so these are all things that you can't find a specific scripture for. You can't open a Bible, put your name in there, be like, Brent, you should take this job. But what I can do as I can do the things that I already know from the word of God. And then I get myself in the vein, in the ways of God. And when I'm doing the ways of God, doing his known will, those unknown things will just become easy for me because I'm doing the will of God. Because he's there with me in the midst of my obedience. And you will just know what to do. Why, because you're doing the things you already know to do from the word of God. How how does God want me to conduct myself in my marriage? How, How does God want me to conduct myself towards my parents? How does God want me to conduct myself in my workplace or as an employer? How does God want me to conduct myself? And then when I do those known things, those unknown things will become easier. First John five, verse one says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. So it's all intertwined. I'm loving God, following his commands, but then I'm loving people simultaneously because this is one of his commands. In fact, this is the love for God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome. Are you here this morning? His commands are not burdensome. They're not heavy. There's blessings on the other side of his commands. There's blessings on the other side of his ways for everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. What does that mean? God, I trust you. You say this, I put my trust in that. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. And then finally this before we receive communion together. See, all of this love that we give to God, the starting place is not me loving God, but it's so easy to love him because he loved us first. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 says this, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy. Let's pause for a second. Aren't you thankful that God is rich in mercy? You should be, because if he wasn't, all of us would be hopeless. But he's rich in mercy. This, this great love that he loved us with, it's not just an idea, it's not just sweet words towards us. It's it's rich in mercy that he gives to us and his mercies are new every morning. Made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. He made us alive, even when we were dead, even when we were pushing God away, he still loved us and pursued us. This is some kind of love. And it's by grace you have been saved. Verse six, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ. So I'm no longer just living in me, I'm living in Christ. And where? In these heavenly realms seated with God. This is a beautiful place. This is a place of love. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. See, eternity is not gonna be boring. Why? Because the incomparable riches of his grace are gonna be expressed to us throughout eternity. Verse eight, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Salvation is a gift. He loves us so much that he gives us this gift. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What are those good works for us to do? Just that place of obedience—to do the good things that God is calling us to do. Now, when we do the good things that God is calling us to do—in the home, in the neighborhood, at church, in the city, in the nation—we create a legacy. We create a legacy that others can follow. We create a legacy where other people can know the love of God and then reciprocate that love to Him through obedience. Let's receive communion together this morning. The elements are there and the seat in front of you there. And if you're on the front row by the leg of your chair, If you are visiting with us and you are a follower of Jesus, we invite you to receive communion with us, but you don't have to feel pressure to do so today. The instructions for our elements, there's a top cellophane piece with a wafer. You can open that part and just hold the wafer in your hand. Luke 22, 19 says this. And he took bread Gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So the bread that Jesus gave his disciples was a representation of his body. And then he's telling his disciples and then also to us, why why are we doing this? To remember Jesus. To remember Jesus is the cornerstone. To remember that Jesus gave his life for us. You remember that Jesus is famous for healing and Jesus is famous for forgiveness. And so that these things that Jesus did in his earthly ministry and he talked about, and he wants for us to do. He wants us to experience those things. And this physical thing reminds us of those spiritual truths. And so this wafer represents Jesus' body, his body which was broken and given for us. The scripture tells us in Isaiah 53, he took stripes on his back and the scripture says, by his stripes, we are healed. And the stripes just mean broken skin. And then through that broken skin, blood is showing through. And so those are the stripes that Jesus took. And because he did that, we can receive healing today in our bodies. So let's just pray today. Father, we're so thankful for Jesus. God, we're so thankful for the love that you give us, that these elements today, they represent your love for us. That you love us so much that you sent Jesus to die in our place. That he took stripes on his back so we could receive healing today. So God, we just open ourselves up. We open our hearts to you today to receive your power, your healing power. God, we receive your power today from the top of our heads, the soles of our feet. If we are facing any sickness and disease, your power is greater than that disease. So we just breathe in your presence today, Lord. We breathe in your healing power. God, I just pray for everyone, anyone in here today who's got a broken heart. Lord, you said you would bind up the brokenhearted. God, you are the only one that could heal human hearts. So we receive your healing today. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for your power. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's eat together. I'm gonna open up the bottom portion. Verse 20 says in the same way after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So the cup that Jesus held was a representation of the blood that he was gonna shed. Scripture tells us without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So at the center of our relationship with God, the reason that we can be righteous in his presence today is because Jesus' blood has washed away our sins. Everything that has separated us from him is washed away under the blood of Jesus. And what this is supposed to remind us of, that is true. But also, if we look back at our week and we realize we have some unrepented sin, uh, we know that God is offering us forgiveness today. He's not offering us condemnation. He wants us to come to him, to run to him, to ask for forgiveness. So let's pray today. God, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus' blood was shed for us, that we can walk in this brand new covenant, that you are in us, that you never leave us alone. God, we thank you for your forgiveness today, that you are offering it to us afresh and anew. We confess to you, Lord, our sins Areas where we have missed the mark. We thank you that you offer us mercy and forgiveness today. We thank you, God, that you are not looking at our past and deciding our future because of mistakes that we have made, that you have washed all of those things away because of your blood. We thank you for your forgiveness today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's drink together. Amen. That's a fun thing to talk about legacy. Now, if I, my my parents will be here in the second service, and so if you want to confirm any of those details with him, with them, you can do that. If you want my mother to speak Finnish, you can take a shot at that does. She she remembers some of her finish growing up. Uh, Just a couple reminders uh, before you go today. Uh, Young adults, if you're here in this service, if you come back after the second service, or if you just want to meet at Promenade Meadows at 1 p.m., You guys are gonna have a great time of soccer, baseball. Grab a lawn chair, grab some picnic items. It's just gonna be a great time. The weather is beautiful, you don't wanna miss that. And then reminding you, um, if this is your church home, please make it a matter of prayer what your family is gonna vest into the legacy offering. Again, there's offering envelopes back there at the giving kiosk, you can grab those, take one home with you and pray about it. Or you could just give electronically online as well. Let's all stand up together today. If you came to church today hoping to have somebody to pray with you or for you, if you are facing any sickness and disease, any other difficult situation that you would like someone to agree with you in prayer about, some of our church leaders are always already making their way up to the front of the stage and they will be happy to pray with you about any of those situations and circumstances. Well, thanks for coming to church today and we will see you next Sunday for Legacy Part 2. You are dismissed.